tītoki kei ngā manga maire o te wao. Nau mai anō, kia pari people. E tukuna tunei i runga i ngā iarere o Ranginui, kia tatui hoai o nga painga ki runga, kia papatua nuku e hora nei, ko mihi ngā rangi e whakamānau atu. Kia koutou katoa. Welcome to Party People, brought to you by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of August, and tonight we're joined once more by a former Māori MP who made a bigger splash in Parliament than Maui did when he fished up the North Island. <laughs> ko Waiatu, uh, ko, ko Shane Jones, tērā, no mai haramai. Kia ora, greetings, good to be back. Now speaking of um, Māori superheroes, last week Te Ao Māori lost one of our greatest. Um, Ngāti Pikiao, Ngāti Rongomai and Te Arawa's Tātoubi Curtis was a giant in broadcasting. Mm. Iwi Affairs and Education, he kōrero au mō Tātoubi? Yeah, tērā tōtara o te Waonui, uh, tērā kaingarahu o te Arawa, uh, tērā kaiwhakatutu puehu. Uh, someone who stirred the dust, someone who understood the traditions of what is quite a conservative part of Māoridom, the Arawa tribe, and also an educator and someone who actually backed charter schools at a time where charter schools were vigorously opposed through the union movement and the vast majority of Māori in Parliament, uh, Toby Curtis was a great supporter. He felt that the education system needed more competition. So aroha nui to his whānau, and it's always a challenge, isn't it, when someone of that uh, status passes away and you contemplate who will step up to the plate, so to speak. So mm. nabanakitanga kia rātou katoa. Kia ora, he's uh, listening to the, the, the kōrero on the, um, at the Tangihana. It seems he did a lot to really lift wahine Māori up, so um, interesting to see who's going to, to step up and stand up. How do you remember him, Shane? Well, you know, that sort of whanaungatanga through Tuhoe and Te Arawa, uh, I, I, I couldn't put it in the succinct words that um, Shane just has. Very but, but yeah, but what the thing about... Toby, he held his own to account, and he was a scrapper for the underdogs. And uh, if if he believed uh, that someone had been done an injustice and it was a rangatira that had delivered the injustice, he would call them to account. And the other things, I talked to my older sister, who came through uh, Auckland Teachers College, generations of great teachers um, mm. have come out of there as a result of the mahi that he did. We basically rewrote the curriculum and the delivery mechanisms before it, so, you know, generations of people will benefit from him. Mm, tēnā kōrero, mō era kōrero. Uh, so six months after protesters at Parliament burnt their own occupation to the ground during their eviction, a new protest has taken place, um, led by Christian leader Brian Tamaki, who this afternoon announced a new political party. It's called Freedoms NZ, or Freedoms New Zealand. He says it will be a coalition of three parties, so that's the New Nation Party, Vision New Zealand and Sue Gray's Outdoors Party. Shane, it's tough getting over that 5% margin without a seat. How do you think they're going to go? Oh, look, capturing 5% is not for the faint-hearted. Uh, of those people, obviously, I've met the bishop. Uh, Sue Gray, I don't think I've met, but her reputation most certainly precedes her. And the other chap, I don't know. But democracy is all about uh, putting up your shingle, having a go. I saw him, uh, or saw it was reported, uh, mihi, where he was inviting uh, the, my rangatira Winston Peters to join that fray. 
I can assure you he'll get a curt and very <laughs> sharp rejoinder in that regard, and it'll be very negative. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Shane? Well, I, 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 somewhere between one and 5,000 people today, I thought today was the million-dollar march. And I was just being facetious or smart aleck about it. I think that his power is actually dwindling. It's going the, it's going the other way. Uh, if you look at the last census, their, their, their church numbers have dropped quite dramatically. And at the last election, uh, Vision Outdoors got 0.2%, uh, New Nation 1.3%. It's, it's a heck of a hurdle. Um, and the other thing is that Fundamentally, if we just put Brian Tamaki's party uh, to the side, fundamentally these are parties that are born out of conspiracy theorists. Um, and what these parties tend to do is they tend to turn on each other. And we look at Jamie Lee Ross and, and Advance New Zealand and what happened there. So I think they will burn up actually before the election. You um, were talking about uh, Brian Tamaki before, but Destiny Pastor Hannah Tamaki is the leader of Vision New Zealand. Uh, businessman Michael Jacom, Jacom is the leader of New Nation Party and self-employed lawyer Sue Gray is represents the Outdoors Party. How difficult is it to even find the leader? Do they have to have a leader or might they come up with three? Uh, no, they need to have a leader. Part of the difficulty, I think, with the occupation at Parliament mm. No one seemed to have the authority to speak for exactly what they wanted. I mean, was it an immediate abandonment of the mandates? Uh, was it uh, enabling people to travel more freely in and out of New Zealand? Uh, already the memory's foggy yeah. as to what that uh, occupation represented. So without a clear, definable voice with some lucid things to offer... It'll get lost in the noise. Because mm. Winston Peters met with them when he went down to Parliament at that time. Do you, why, do, why do you think he met with them? I think that, uh, as I recall, Winston was invited to go less to meet with those leaders, but to rub shoulders with a whole lot of garden variety Kiwis. And like I, I probably was in a different space to where the political leaders of Parliament were. I, I didn't see it as a river of filth as described by the Labour Party. I just saw it as a whole lot of concern, confused, um, uptight, anti-government New Zealanders, and you can find them down at the pub any time of the day. In that 5,000, 1 to 5,000 mm. or however many yeah. you speculate, there was a fair few of the uh, counter-protest. Georgina, yeah. Georgina Bayer was there. She um, mm. she heard that it was 18 years since the Enough is Enough protest yeah. uh, where she actually took the mic and mm. um, received a whole lot of abuse back then. So she said, we are a country of freedom and rights and many of us have fought hard for decades tolerating the abuse, the violence and the hatred and have risen above it. She sounded like a politician again and... Um, um, you know, like a pendulum, um, has the likes of Brian Tamaki and had the mic for too long? Is it swinging back, do you think? Well, the other thing is that um, Georgina has a basic kaupapa, gay rights, trans rights, and, you know, and they and they proceed sort of all, you know, they, they go over generations. So uh, those, that grassroot kaupapa will always, will, will always stay where... Um, the, the likes of the Tamaki and then and the people who I can't even remember lead it they sort of they sort of come come and go because you just don't have a base kopapa and as Shane said that was one of the fundamental issues with the with the occupation and here's the other thing is even if they do do poorly you know we give them a lot of oxygen media people speculators political speculators give them a lot of oxygen but they they fundamentally fail you know Hannah got do you think about all of the profiles she got she got just under a thousand votes I remember when the church leader stood in Mangere three elections ago he didn't even get 400 mm -hmm. votes so you know uh, they 
their, their expectations don't match the reality and then they'll probably complain uh, like Trump did that the election was stolen so you know it's just a, a merry-go-round. Um, you said it'd been a busy couple of weeks in Parliament Shane but actually today was busy down there because yeah. there was mm. another kaupapa down there it's um, uh, Gaurav Shurma is no longer to mm. receive support from the party or have access to the caucus. He was expelled today. Mm. Um, he's still the Hamilton West MP. He's officially on his own waka. It w- it's not the first and it won't be the last, but um, was there any choice, do you think? No, none whatsoever. Once Dr Sharma lost the confidence and the trust of his uh, caucus members... Look, I was there when uh, Chris Carter mm. was decapitated when he uh, took a letter uh, related to uh, Mr. Goff to the press gallery. I watched when Jamie Lee Ross imploded. Mm. He was sent to Coventry. Uh, Todd Muller, if I'm not mistaken, Judith uh, threw him out of the caucus. So these are not not infrequent events. Mm. The only thing that Dr. Sharma can do now is to resign and force a by-election. And if he does that, then this issue will have counted for something in terms of political calculus. If he doesn't, then he'll just sit like a mushroom, sadly for him and his family, up the back of the parliament. Mm. What... um there were 62 votes, 60 yeah. votes uh, to expel him, one against and someone abstained. What does that tell you? Oh, he voted for himself. Yeah, and abstention, bit of a coward, I don't know. Maybe it was a mistake because I've actually been in uh, in caucus rooms uh, when I was in the executive of the party and sometimes people actually just get it wrong. Uh, so I, I don't get that, but uh, it was, it was overwhelming. Could it be a problem though? Somebody's abstained. No, not really. Not really. Maybe you know, for whatever reason, it was. It was. Pre- it was pretty. It was pretty. Emphatic. What do you think, Shane? Mm. Uh, look, there's a solid um, caucus support for Jacinda. Yeah. But the sad reality is that the red tide washed an enormous number of dinghies into Parliament, and now there's another bout of bad weather coming from a different direction, and scores of them will be unemployed at the end of next year. Yeah, and, and and they will be elbowing each other, and they will be, they will be maybe looking for some of them maybe looking for alternative sort of occupations within in, in Parliament. But um, I think by and large, um, the Labour caucus is is relatively strong, and, and and in fact, in many ways, what Sharma did made allies. So uh, it won't affect any business. No, 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 I, no, I don't think so. And you know, it's going to be a very lonely time for Sharma. Basically, he hasn't fronted up with anything substantial. The media will get hoha with him. Uh, National will probably toy around with him for the next couple of days, and then he'll just be left by himself, and he'll be in a room that echo, echo, echoes, and uh, it'll be a, a very lone, lone voice. And being in Siberia, because that's what they physically call the outer mm. buildings, mm. is very, is a very lonely space. He'll probably a few Maoris sent there yeah, over the years. He'll probably, he'll probably <laughs> think that he can win Hamilton. He won't, yeah. or we might, as Brendan Horan did, told me two weeks out from the elections that he's going to win ten seats, Net- which was very interesting because he only had eight candidates. The Nats have copped it for having bad selections. Was he a bad selection? No, I don't think he was a bad selection. Um, but, you know, uh, the reality is that you probably only focus on, on the marginal seats and then your your time and your effort sort of goes down in terms of focusing uh, in the, the dinghies, Yeah, the dinghies that have come yeah, I, I away. I think the, the, the two things that the strategists of Labour will, uh, mm. will be a little bit worried about, and it'll soon pass, number one, whether or not he's kept any other um, tapings, mm. which in itself is quite a major breach. Yes. But... 
I doubt if he has, but if he has, that's more um, gunpowder. Pardon? Uh, under the law, you can record somebody, uh, you know, record a conversation as long as you're in it. But in terms of the politics or the eth- the etiquette eth- 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 of Parliament. Yeah, now look, you can't operate. Yeah. Um, whatever Dr Sharma thinks he's doing, you can't operate and run a, a decent professional political outfit with those sorts of failings. Um, I think the Prime Minister... Uh, was very would have been very annoyed mm. with the allegation that they were circumventing the um, Official Information Act. But the key point is this Parliament's not for everyone. Yeah. Parliament is a robust, mm. unforgiving environment. And uh, I personally think that the word bullying has been devalued mm. uh, recently. I went to St. Stephen's School. I know a thing of three yeah. about what bullying school is life. But it, it, as well... Why would you hold on to something over 10, 15, 20 years later? And secondly, if you can't deal with the rough and tumble of running uh, a political party and put up with some of the verbal fangs that are bared from time to time, you're on the wrong job. Especially when, especially, two things. First of all, if he had a major card to play, he would have played it already. You know, you do that up front. The second thing is, if you actually break down, what did he say? I got yelled at. Uh, they called meetings at short notice. I didn't have my support person. Hey, this is not the Tikawiti Town Library. This is Parliament. If you're not up to a level of robustness that he described, I just did not think you're not up to it. And remember, this guy has put major accusations out before. His maiden speech, Mm. he said that a senior pediatrician had threatened his life. You know, so it, it, it is a, boy, a bit of the boy who yeah. cries well, wolf. While it is rough and rumble on there for politicians yeah. and things like that, there has to be a process for, you know, parliamentary staff. They shouldn't be treated the same. No, that's that's absolutely correct. Mm. There are many young men and women there, and they're attracted to those positions because perhaps they want to learn how parliament functions. It can actually add quite a bit to your CV. Uh, genuinely, it can. However, um, if there are cases of people being threatened or feeling that uh, their very uh, their very existence in terms of an income is 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 insecure, then um, the perpetrators are generally found out pretty quickly. Mm. And the uh, Ricky Barker was a whip when I was mm. there. Uh, Annette King was a permanent whip. Yeah. <laughs> and they tended to know exactly mm. who was up to monkey business. Mm. And... The difficulty is when these things jump from managerial problems to political problems. Yeah. Mm. If you've got a really tricky personality, then sort that out right up front. Or managerial mutates into political problems, and at the end of the day, that's what Jacinda ended up with. Let's move on. Uh, the Ngaitahu um, Parliament passed a bill which will allow Ngaitahu to appoint two of 16 voting councillors to the Canterbury Regional Council. The opposition says it's undemocratic, while Reno Tirikatene, who submitted the bill, he says Ngaitahu are entitled to this repre- representation because that is the promise of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, and this is a modern-day expression of that promise. What do you think? Oh, I think this issue is going to be central to political debates at the end of next year. Do you think it's, you know, and I, and I don't think expression uh, I, of the modern day promise? Uh, I, I think why it'll be central, it'll put the treaty, um, it'll put the treaty in the dock. We've largely gone through the process of property rights claims. Now we're moving into Kaupapa Māori claims, which I personally don't agree with, which is why if, um, I couldn't get uh, Andrew Little to support. I, I, I want the Waitangi Tribunal's wings clipped. 
I think that uh, the areas that they're straying into are no longer relevant and they don't lie at the centre of Māori well-being. Mm. Isn't the treaty meant to be lived though? Like it's not for settling, isn't it? You know, Te Tiriti is the founding document. Well, I don't see what's... I, I, I understand that it's about representation, but by and large I don't see the huge difference between that and, say, the Uruwera settlement, the Waikato settlement. Um, I, I, I disagree with Shane that it, I don't think it'll be the centre, but it could be 10%, and that could be the difference between Oh, no, I really Treasury. think, Shane, yeah. that... Um, and, and, and where I think Labour made a mistake, they bought a treaty rationalisation mm. into health and they brought it into three waters. They would have got away with three waters with a minimum of fuss other than the accountability of these huge new organisations. So anyway, rightfully or wrongfully, people will, people will play that But it's card. not the same though, is it? Because we're talking about um, resources and when we talk about health, we're talking about equity. And for how long... You make long, a very good point. Yeah, so for how many decades, well, 170 years we've had yeah. an inequity. Yeah, you make a really good point. If you want to transport the co-management of the 90-mile beach into the co-management of the $20 billion health fund, then you're going to have to go and face New Zealanders for yeah, that. That's true. After welfare, $20 billion is spent out of the $116 billion, which is what it costs to run the state. Now, you can rationalise in any way that Young Penny and others are doing it, but it will be debated politically. Uh, no, no, I, t- I totally agree. It, it will be it will be a platform. I'm not sure it will be as big as a platform, uh, particularly if we if, if this government has got inflation under control. If there isn't sort of a, a dip in or, or or some some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of interest rates, look, by and large, elections are fought and won on the economy yeah, and how true. people. Devil's feel. advocate here, but wasn't mm. it debated 180 years ago at Waitangi? Didn't we agree to this? I, well, I, I I personally think we do, but what I do agree with Shane is when we've moved from uh, issues that have been settled in terms of uh, co-ownership and co-governance of, of Venua and water, that's one thing. But when it becomes of the political spectrum, I think that uh, rightfully so, that will be a, an issue that um, some New Zealanders will be focused on come the next election. Hmm. Um, there have been many examples where the Crown has made laws without the consent of Māori, you know, which have led to dire outcomes, as you know, like the New Zealand Settlements Act's one. So the co-governance legislation uh, isn't going to disadvantage anyone. Isn't it simply about representation being at the table? Yeah. How I intellectually understand co-governance is that from one perspective, it is taking the treaty, which according to Eddie Jury, the former president, is a dynamic document, and I think his terminology is the treaty always speaks. Mm. I suspect it was Bishop Manuhuya Bennett or someone like that who came up with that term, uh, an uncle to Toby Curtis. And then there is the other approach, which is universal franchise. Now, um, what's going to be on the table is what is the moral authority that people are going to cling to? One person, one vote? Or... Uh, enabling the treaty to provide a platform without it being democratic in terms of one person, one vote, for iwi to appoint who they like to these boards. And uh, I'm looking forward to that debate. Mm. And uh, I just, I, I am a bit fearful, though, that such debates can be distorted and um, used uh, in a very hostile way. But having said that, if you're in for political debate and you're a robust sort of character, you've got to debate these issues. And I think the other thing I'd say, Shane, 
is I'm, I'm kind of tired of this. Mm. Uh, I look at the challenges um, staring down at New Zealand uh, through uh, the multiculturalism. What does that mean for the original people? I look at the state of our economy. It's all very well to say that we've got debt that's uh, more modest in other countries, but we've got to pay that back. And the only way we can do that is by pulling together and boosting our economic revenue. And I find for too many of our young people, this is becoming a distraction, mate. Mm. Yeah. Well, I would say this. I, I, I would accept some of Shane's argument, but I would say this. The economic inequalities that exist are whether we like it or not, are often based on racial lines. Uh, Māori, the have-nots versus non-Māori, that by and large are, are those that have, and that many of our people will see a uh, this pathway as, 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 as a way towards um, evening that balance. And look, I just think as, a, as an ordinary taxpayer, we've got a health system that has failed the taxpayer, it's failed Māoridom, and, and I think we've got to give this new mechanism a go. Whether it works or not, Time will tell. Totally understand, um, you know, people are sick of the robust political debate, but actually when you look at, like, communities that are predominantly Māori, like Te Kao, you know, they're buying their own water because their water is paru, and so how long do they have to wait for their predominantly Pākehā uh, Mm. council to make some changes to them? Yes, so our council, um, that water scheme goes back to the days of Millie Suhoi. Yeah a totara tree of the Labour Party back in the days of Norman Kirk, and then they sold it to a local chap who never put the money mm. into maintaining it. And then they found that the water easements hadn't been secured properly through various blocks of land. I, I, I don't think that um, anyone is going to disagree with the inequities. What uh, the debate will be about, okay, if the current system of health or water delivery hasn't worked then what will work? And I'm telling you now that these new water corporations, they will not have strong accountability and only have to look at the Auditor General's criticism at the Select Committee 10 days ago. Now, Grant Robertson did did say he thinks he can fix that up. And um, what started out about fixing up drinking water has turned into, quite frankly, a referendum on the treaty and a referendum on maori So back to the actual issues in yeah. these communities, isn't it time for Māori to have an opportunity to come up with some solutions themselves well, for their own rivers, if I consider yeah. Poroti and then the Maungatāpere Water Organisation Irrigation Scheme that takes most of their water? Like, can't they have a uh, say? Uh, yeah, and, 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 and there are large chunks within the anti-three waters campaign that are run by vested interests. You know, I go, I've just come back from home, Tauranga Te Awa, Waimana Te Awa, they're in very bad state. And and who is by and large running the anti-three water um, campaign are Pākehā farmers that have vested interests, that have had held on to the water consent for years, that have built up, building up, building up bigger, more intense farms. And uh, and I, I think that they need to be held to account. And, you know, um, our, our water infrastructure is in a poor state. Um, it's run by local bodies that have the inability to raise the putia, that, ha- mm. that so, also they so don't that, have the, yeah, the basis of, of ratepayer to pay it. That's the situation, and we're ho- you're hoha mm. with the code governance debate. But then again, I'll go to another part of the country where we did another story where someone's got a man-made lake and down the river, which is a little marae, has... 
not a drop left in their creek. How do yep. you turn around the power okay, if now, we're not going to have co-governance? The, many of the problems that afflict us, and I mean, I can talk about my own tribe, yeah. Te Aupodi. Uh, a whole bunch of people from the Bay of Plenty and other parts of New Zealand raced up about 20, 15, 20 years ago, got all the water rights growing avocados. Mm. Then Te Aupodi waited for their settlement, and they've now blown the thick end of a million dollars, can't get any water rights. So I'm no stranger to this. But Three Waters is not going to fix that problem. What Three Waters was designed to do was to bring together stormwater, wastewater and drinking water, but the allocation of water happens under the Resource Management Act. And as Shane says, too much of the Resource Management Act has delivered excessive wealth to a narrow cast of economic players such as the farmers that he refers to. Mm. But Three Waters isn't going to fix that, Shane. No, no, I agree there. We agree with that. We understand that Three Waters is different to the water allocation. Mm. We're just using the co-governance as as a model. So what's the solution then? Oh, without a doubt, um, there were other solutions. They do require the Crown to step in, however. Uh, I think part part of the solution will lie if you reform the administration of three waters, you've got to have greater accountability. Anyone living north of Wellsford will have absolutely no say, no authority with the new institution that will be dominated out of Auckland. The people that choose them will be 50% Tangata Whenua, 50% council. They will choose directors. The directors will choose executives. And we'll have a larger version of AT, which is the most uh, sort of hated organisation, according to Wayne Brown, in the entirety of Auckland. Well, we have four entities, four water entities, do you think it's better than what we've got? I, I, I think it is. I think it is. I think it is better what we've got. And we just have to look at the at the realities. We just have to look at our rivers. We just have to look at the runoffs into our sea. And we just have to look at the reality. I, I, I think that it is. I think that Shane has some points in terms of um, rural versus rural versus urban representation. And I think that uh, I hope that those people that um, are participating in the discussion, the debate and the allocation mm. of those roles take that all into consideration. Just before we finish, I just want to touch on the new immigration. Um, we're going to open the doors to some and give people holiday visas, but some some sectors don't have to pay um, medium wage. Yeah, and uh, there are lots of sectors within Aotearoa New Zealand that don't pay medium, medium wage, and um, I just think it's about a balance of uh, getting um, getting that labour back in, but I, I, I agree to, with it, Shane, but, but, but I get that. Second-class citizens, I get you that. know. And I, I agree with Shane, this is about a wider debate about where, multi, where we sit with multiculturalism, and what, the other thing is we failed to have a debate about our population and, mm. and, and how we handle that. Do you think, what are, what are your thoughts about it? Well... If I'm not mistaken, seafood sector mm-hmm. is one of the sectors. Yes. So yeah. they already have a host of um, pay agreements yeah. with Kiwis who are, I'm not entirely sure where between 23 and $25 per hour they might be earning. So the notion that you're going to um, plummet or sorry, parachute a whole host of new workers from overseas and pay them 27 or $28, that's mm-hmm. just never, ever going to work in that sort of environment. So I understand why the minister has done that. I think... I think, Shane, what we're looking at, Mihi, is is a deeper challenge. Already forces, and I've been a member of the Labour caucus, already um, there'll be elements in the caucus that are thinking about life after Jacinda. And to replace Jacinda, you've got to keep sweet with the unions. And that's how Andrew Little beat Grant Robertson. And the unions, as they said this morning on, on the uh, radio, they are totally antagonistic 
to this differential pay scale. So I think Michael Woods will be not wanting to do too much more of this because he'll want to keep sweet with the unions to boost his prospects of replacing Jacinda. Kapai, just quickly before we go, Margaret Ullich passed away. Yeah. Um, Tell me about your favourite song. Oh, I sort of quoted it in the corduroy. But can I just tell this a little story I have about her when I was a young fellow at the Blue Pot Hotel. She played there regularly. She was good to the bar staff, so that's a good measurement of <laughs> She was a tarara like oh, you, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, obviously, we, we knew uh, mm. the fire well, Dorothy okay. Ehrlich Kloa, Kloa Ehrlich. And um, the Ehrlich whanua whangaro whakapapa back to the porters. And that's um, Uncle Ben Porter, a great member of the Māori Battalion. And mm. the father was um, Reverend Kaina Porter, a rangatira in the 30s and 40s of Ngāpuhi. Oh, moi moi rā e te tuakana. Uh, that's us for party people this week. E huama, ka nui te mahi ki te puna whakatonga reo mōna i tautoko i tēnei kaupapa. Nō no hōra mai rā. Nō hōra mai rā.